It was Mother Teresa that said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. We are talking today all things marriage and giving encouragement to all of us who feel unfulfilled, unacknowledged, unseen, and just plain exhausted in the day in and day out of taking care of a family and raising kids. Raising kids just isn't the cool thing to do this day and age, but I can guarantee it is the coolest thing in God's eyes. So we are going to talk about living for an audience of one and how we can find fulfillment in that. So welcome back. I am excited to talk to you today about growing as a person for a better marriage and becoming more fulfilled in the roles set before you in this season. Marriage thoughts about how God can restore your marriage and also some encouragement for any struggling moms. This is a passion of mine and it's so important because everyone wins. Our kids, our community, everyone wins when our marriages get better. So I want to welcome those of you who are new with us. It's toward, it's towards the beginning of the new year, and it's a great time for all of us to grow. Um, I try to drop a new episode every week. So again, I want to invite you to commit to your marriage growth because mine is not perfect, so I have to work on it daily. But so how do we do this? How do we grow? Well, on this podcast, we interview those whose marriages have stood the test of time and are here to share. It's not always going to be easy, but it will be worth it. So how do we grow? Well, wouldn't it be cool if you listened to every single episode that this podcast has put out this year and resolve to grow your marriage or get it back on track if you've been totally derailed because we've all been there. So how can we do that? Well, for, first of all, hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to the content. And it's also really important that you get the marriage challenge guide on our website. So if you go to afwfpodcast.com, you can get the marriage challenge guide and download that. And we also will send you an email and let you know when new episodes or any bonus material or tips go out. And it's a really great guide you can go over with your spouse. It's great if you go over it alone, but it's infinitely better to discuss it with your spouse. So go get that at afwfpodcast.com. We've basically taken all the advice from all of the people we've interviewed on these episodes and put it into this little guide for you. So if this content and interview are helpful, would you do me a favor? I'm going to work really hard to give you high quality content and encourage the heck out of you. And what you could do for me is write a review and rate the content. And what that does is it gives us more visibility for others who are struggling in their marriage and need their batteries recharged. So please go subscribe, rate, and review. Also, all of you on social media, I see you. Um, Thanks so much for inviting others to be a part of this community. Thank you for sharing our content and sharing episodes with your family and friends. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping other people find these encouraging messages. So let's dive into this new content. If you're ready to grow today, we are talking with a beautiful soul, Mrs. Allison Gonzalez. She has the most encouraging message about how God restored her marriage after separation and divorce. God had his hand in their story and brought them back together. Not one, not two, but three times. And I'm so grateful that she had the courage to come on here and share. And I know it's going to encourage so many others. So thank you so much, Allison. 
My favorite takeaway from Allison is that she drew near to God in her time of struggle and he was faithful to hold her hand all the way through. He was faithful to restore all that had been lost and she had the courage to change and do the work to step into the wife that God was calling her to be. So please help me welcome on the beautiful Mrs. Allison Gonzalez. Here we go. Alrighty, girlfriend. Well, I am so excited for our chat today. We've been messaging back and forth on Instagram, and um, I'm so happy that you uh, were willing to come on and share, and I've just loved um, connecting with you more and more. And so I am just going to jump right in, and um, we will get into all of the marriage questions, definitely. But first, I just wanted you to share a little bit about yourself, um, where you are at this point in your life, how many kids, how long you've you've been married, um, anything you want to share, any dreams or goals you're working on. Um, So yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's a lot going on. So I'm from Santa Fe. I've been here all my life with the exception of college. Um, my husband and I have been um, happily married on three different occasions since 2011, which we'll get into. And we have one beautiful daughter who is nine and a half years old. Um, she's like a big full mini teenager now. <laughs> and, you know, we're just we're just trying to continue to build our lives together and you know, keep setting that foundation for our happy future and praying to expand our family, you know, at God's will. And that is, that's where we're at right now. Awesome. I love it. Um, You guys have been married for, is that 10 years now? Almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. If we count from the first time, it would be 10 years this coming December. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll hear all of, more about all of that. Um, but one question I love to ask everybody just to get a feel for where they're at right now is what has God been showing you this past year through COVID and quarantine and all of us having to really change the way we do things? Um, what is one thing you've taken from it or that you feel like God has been trying to teach you? You know what? That's a really great question. So this last year, I feel like I've experienced a lot of tough situations and a lot of heartache, and I have prayed so much about it. And I feel like God has given me those tough times so that I can help another person through it, so that I can be that comfort to another person that's going through something similar And whether it's right now or 10 years from now or 30 years from now, I truly believe that God is kind of giving me these speed bumps so that I can be, I can be a vessel for somebody later. Yeah, I love that. And what a, ah, what just like a beautiful life we would all have if we can take that on. I know that in the moment, it's seriously super hard. Like, you know, I can just relate just thinking about, you know, let's say hard times in my marriage. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, why? Like, this is so upsetting. Why is this the way that it is? 
But it's true, like when we do look back and we when we do have a heart that wants to encourage and wants to give, it makes it a little bit easier in the moment and it gives us hope and like helps us to put one foot in front of the other, knowing that God is a good God and that if we look back at the hard times in our lives, it's like, okay, like I did make it through. I came out better. And if I just had the courage to share and to be transparent, like it would help somebody else because I don't know. I honestly just blame social media so much because it's like we all think we're the only ones. We're the only ones that have hard things or disappointments. And it's like we don't, we, we hesitate. We don't want to share because we feel embarrassed or whatever it may be. But it's like just having the courage to somehow share a little bit, like it really does help other people um, move forward and feel like they're not alone. Totally. I can't agree with you more. I think Instagram shows everybody's perfect moment in time. You know, it doesn't show the struggles that people go through behind the scenes and everything they've been through to get to where they're at. And I, I do think it's important to kind of pull the curtain back and get real and say, you know what, real people go through struggles and it happens to everybody and it doesn't make you the exception. It makes you the norm, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just wonder like how much more rich would our relationships be? How many more best friends would we have? Um, oh, I have like a love hate with social media because it's like, like, you know, you and I would have never connected like this, but also I feel like it really stops, not stops us, but we don't pick up the phone and call our friends like we should and say, how are you, how are you doing? Like, how's it going? What's going on in your life? You know, because imagine if we did that, like so many more things would be talked about. We would feel so much more supported. Um, So I guess like it's not to blame social media. It's just like looking at ourselves and saying, hey, like we need to be better friends. Like we need to kind of go old school, pick up the phone because I honestly love like chatting on the phone with my friends like and I don't do it as often as I would like, you know, it's like easier to sometimes just send a text or whatever, but it really like fills me up and it really, you know provides a place for support for both people. Um, So yeah, it's a love hate with social media. (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. All righty. So we're going to get into our questions about marriage. The first one I have for you is um, how did you meet? What was it like when you first got married? And yeah, what was the beginning like? How did you meet? Yeah. So Uh, When I was in college, I worked at a restaurant as a waitress and my husband and one of his friends actually were sitting at a table that I was working. And, you know, I joked with them, whatever. Um, I actually had a boyfriend at the time and, you know, they left and it was like, oh, they were fun. They tipped good. Okay. On to the next. And then a couple months later, uh, my husband actually came back in with another group of friends and I was like, Hey, I remember you. And I, you know, brought up a joke that we had joked about and he, um, left me his number, I guess, at the advice of his friend. And I just kind of put it in my, in my little book that you carry as a waitress and Mm -hmm. went about my life. And then I stumbled upon it when I was cleaning it out, like 
two months later and I called him and he was actually on a hunting trip with some friends and he told his best friend, I got to leave the hunting trip early because I need to take my future wife out on a date. (laughs) And so we ended up going out and truthfully things just like we fell in love so fast and he was so different from anybody I had ever dated before. And I just felt like we related, even though we like didn't have much that I had always thought was like important to have in common. I always thought it was like, oh, well, you know, we need to have grown up in the same place and gone to the same high school. But it's like, that stuff really doesn't matter in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, um, we got married in 2011 and we had already welcomed our first baby. She was born in September, 2011. And then we got married in December and it was, it was kind of a whirlwind to be honest with you, but it was like, we were living on a high, like things were great. And, and we just felt like, Oh, you know, other people may say, Oh, you should have done this, or you guys should have figured out this first. And we were kind of like, well, we love each other and we'll figure it out as we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's like, seriously, a story out of a movie. It's like a scene out of a movie. How, how you guys met. That's so cute. I love it. Um, awesome. Well, I think we can all relate to that feeling of being head over heels and a hundred percent in love um, and ignoring, you know, the things that most people would tell us, well, maybe you should think about this or what about that? I mean, I think it's a one question that I definitely want to ask God, because why does he make us so head? Why does he allow us to be so head over heels that we may overlook some of the things we should talk about? prior to marriage. Um, but I also don't think that, you know, just because people do all the premarital counseling and ask all the questions, I don't think that it means they're going to have any easier of a marriage. I mean, just kind of from what I've gathered here and there, that's just my opinion. So it is very interesting to me. And I think, you know, what we're going to hear from you is just, how you guys had to work it out and how you did figure things out along the way. So my next question is um, around what year did it get hard? And was there ever a point you didn't think it would work out? Yeah. So um, I think, like you said, like you can do all the, all the premarital work to have a great marriage, but it's kind of like, they ask you all these questions that you don't really know how you're going to react until you experience it. Like, it's just so different. So we had our daughter and prior to getting married, um, my husband was already in his career and I was just finishing college and thinking to myself, you know, I've worked so hard. I've always had at least one job, if not two, get myself through college to get this degree so that I can, you know, get a job for, for my real life. So we had a baby and, you know, I stayed home with my daughter and then, um, I started to feel this itch of like, 
I worked so hard to go through college. I need to get a job. Like that's why I went to college. And my husband had gone back to work. And I think I just started to feel honestly resentful. I felt resentful that he was out, you know, getting to kind of fraternize with his coworkers and be out of the house. And I wasn't finding fulfillment in being a stay-at-home mom, truthfully. And it started to get really hard where that would kind of boil over. And I didn't really know how to talk to him about how I was feeling. But I still felt this such a deep connection to my daughter that I felt like even on the weekends when he would say, well, go out with your friends or go have lunch with, you know, people, you know, from college, it was like, well, I don't want to leave her. I don't want to leave her. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, honestly, it wasn't long after we got married that we started to have these problems. And I think part of it was because we didn't really have a chance to establish ourselves as a married couple before we were parents and a married couple. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of it just created so much change at one time that it was hard to go through everything that's new and changing and kind of deal with it because it it just seemed like overwhelming. So by 2012, it already started to feel like, how do we, how do we grow from this? And I can be totally honest that instead of putting in the work, I kind of threw my hands up and said, this is too hard. I don't even see how we can fix this. It's too overwhelming to me. I don't feel prepared to do this. And I was making the decision from me instead of going to God and saying, guide me. How do I fix this? Help me to fix my marriage. I just said, I know better. I know better. And and we separated in 2013. Oh, wow. Okay, so you separated after um, two years? Two yeah, it was, it was just before our two-year anniversary that we separated. Wow. So what did, like, the end look like? Like, what was the final straw? Was it both of you that were just like, yeah, let's, let's separate? Was it like, let's try the separation and maybe it'll help us to grow from it? Like what was the final straw? Yeah, I was definitely adamant on separating and wanting to try a separation. And my husband was very much like, that's not going to help us. It's going to push us apart. And I didn't even listen to him. And it was really tearful. I had returned to work at that time. And I feel like Instead of going to God, I was going to some of my divorced coworkers who were saying, you know, like, oh, it's not going to work out, whatever, whatever the case is. And I put my faith into their experience instead of looking to people with healthy relationships, instead of looking to God, instead of going to the right people. Um, But I wasn't able to realize that at the time, truthfully. So yeah, I just kind of turned into like this boiling argument one night where I just said, well, I'm going to leave. And I packed up a bag and then 
I had a lot of pride. And over the next couple of days, I just couldn't bring myself to say like, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing. Let's work this out. I just kind of was like, well, I made my decision because I was, I was too big to, to come back and say, you know, and maybe this isn't the right way to go about things. And so did you divorce immediately or like, did you go and get the paperwork and it was like an immediate thing or um, did you try separating or for a while or is it, it kind of sounds like you're saying like it wasn't even like a thought in your mind that it could work out. So did you just go and get the divorce immediately? You know what? We dragged our feet on getting a divorce. So we separated and I moved back to Santa Fe and, um, he stayed in Albuquerque and then, uh, my husband's job actually transferred him and he had to move to Roswell for a year. And so we just remained separated. Um, and then it wasn't until 2015 that we actually filed the paperwork and got divorced. And even at that time, you know, my husband was like, I'll divorce you, but I'm not going to hire a lawyer and I'm not going to do the paperwork. So if you want to divorce, you can do the paperwork. So I actually drew up the paperwork at that time. And, you know, we just went through it between us and it wasn't this drawn out court battle with lawyers or anything. We just kind of came to the decision and, and got divorced. Wow. Wow. So So then it sounds like it was just kind of like a clean break. Like you guys didn't like kind of go back and forth. It was just a clean break. And then you didn't um, get the divorce until, is that another three years? Is that? Yeah, I I think it was like two, two and a half, somewhere in there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one point in there that I remember having, um, I had dinner with one of my really close girlfriends and I was kind of catching up with her and she asked me, you know, do you think you made a mistake? Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of wish I could go back and redo this all. And she was like, you should just be, be frank with him and and tell him that you want to try to work things out. And, Maybe you guys should try, you know, marriage counseling. And I remember going out to lunch with him and my daughter and I told him that, and he was kind of like, you know, we should have done that two years ago. Why are you saying that now? And he, I think he didn't believe my intentions maybe, or maybe there was just still some anger there because there was a lot of anger between us and it was hard for us to talk about that together. We were cordial during our separation and we got along for the sake of our daughter, but we didn't discuss our personal feelings or really anything about our personal lives. It was just strictly related to our daughter. Hmm. Whoa. It sounds like it was a lot that went on in such a short amount of time. Um, so I have a question for you. Um, and we'll kind of work through a, a couple things that I, that stood out to me, but one of the things that you kind of, um, not blamed, but thought might have, um, been, um, 
the reason that it was so hard. You said that um, you didn't get a chance to be established as a couple um, before you have kids. And, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, your marriage isn't going to work out if you have kids before marriage, because some of the most beautiful um, just marriages that I really admire have had kids before they were married. Some of the most beautiful and fun weddings that I've gone to, it's been just so sweet to see like their kids to be part of it. Um, But I also know that God tells us like his will for us is to have kids, you know, inside of a marriage. You know, I think God wants us to remain families. And sometimes I think when we're not married, we're not as likely to stay together. Anyways, that's a whole different conversation. But um, like I was saying, some of the most beautiful marriages, people that I really admire, you know, have done what you, you have done, worked through it all, been in love and just said, we're going to work through it. And um, so looking back, do you really, do you think that that what you said is you didn't get time to, you know, establish yourself as a couple before you came parents? Do you think that was really something that um, contributed to the breakdown of your marriage? Or do you think like we were talking yesterday is kind of maybe one of those lies that we tell ourselves, or maybe you just didn't know what else the real, the real problem was? Yeah. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're saying. And I agree with you, you know, there, there's beautiful marriages and families who had babies before marriage, which I guess to explain our situation, um, we, we got pregnant very quickly. So we had only been dating maybe five months and I found out I was pregnant. So I think we had already kind of started to take on that role of parents. As soon as I became pregnant, everything became about planning for this baby that we were having. So we kind of didn't have that, you know, even dating relationship for that long where we got to just get to really know each other and go on trips and, you know, get to know each other's quirks. It it very quickly shifted to this um, couple expecting a baby. So, so I also do agree, you know, this may be one of the lies that we kind of tell ourselves. Um, I do think that also when you get married, you kind of put this pressure on yourself. Like we're married now, so we have to be real grownups. And, and that's, that's hard too. Um, I think now in our marriage, we are much more having fun than like we're married and this is what grownups are supposed to do. So I think that plays into it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think because, I mean, we're all different, we're all going to have different um, trials or things that we have to overcome. Um, so for you, like, you know, you can maybe look at your situation and say, okay, like we didn't really know each other, you know, and then we just became parents. And honestly, like when you have infants, I really feel like your marriage is put on the back burner and I don't even know if there's much you can do about it. I mean, you're just like exhausted, 
Um, I don't know what age they get easier, but man, I we we don't we have an almost three year old, and it's like seriously full time. I mean, you cannot take your eyes off of them for even a couple minutes. So yeah, I mean, it's like I know the goal is to put your marriage first, but it's almost kind of like how how the heck do you do that? So yeah, I totally get how that could have really um been hard for a marriage, but um. What I'm trying to say is we all have something. We all have something that we have to um, work on, to work through, and to change. And I've been reading this book. It's called The Meaning of Marriage. It's really good. And it's just making the case that back in the day, people used to prepare people who are about to get married and tell them, this marriage is here to grow you. If it's going to work out, you need to change. You need to listen to your spouse and hear where, like, the ways that they suggest you change and grow and get better. And your marriage is here to serve your to for you to serve each other and for you to to serve your community and to serve um, your family. Um, and it was just saying how this day and age. Um, it said that they like took a poll or a survey of, I don't know how many men and that the men said that they would know that this woman was supposed to be their wife or they would know this was a person they would want to marry. If this woman were to say, I don't want you to change anything about yourself. Um, you're perfect the exact way you are. Basically, you never need to grow and change. And so I think our generation is having a really hard time navigating this because as we were talking about everything we see on social media earlier, what do we usually see? We usually think, say, see things that say love doesn't hurt, love isn't hard, um, follow your heart, do what makes you happy. Um, but I don't really think that that is... God's way. I think that's the world's way. And I don't think that inside of that um, idea of never having to change or never allowing anyone to tell you that you have to change. I mean, there's really no growth that's going to happen. And so I've just been thinking more and more that I personally need to be asking more often my husband, how do I need to change? And asking God, God, how do I need to change? And um, this kind of goes into another thing that you were talking about. But I think that it's really hard for us as women. And I want to know your advice on this. Um, because raising kids is not really the cool thing to do this day and age. Um you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to get an education. I thought it was funny how you said you were getting frustrated because you spent all this time and money on college. And it's so funny. I always joke around with my cousins like, oh, yeah, I spent I don't know how many thousands of dollars on college and I'm not doing anything with my degree. Um And um, but I think that there is so much pressure. And I don't know if that is God's will. I mean, I really, for me, I'm like you, I really feel that it's so important to, 
be with my kids for this season. And I try to remind myself that it is a season because I don't know if it's, is the pressure or if it is a good thing. And God has put it on my heart to, um, seek a career and, and an education and to create something. I mean, I think that's a very noble thing as well. I'm not saying that women should not do anything but raise kids. Um, But I think we have to take it to God and we have to ask him, is this the season that you want me to work right now? Or do you want me to put work to the side right now, Lord? And we have to be um, obedient um, and, you know, know that it might be hard. Um, But I try to remind myself that this is a season with my babies. They're only going to be babies. And then they're literally going to be going to school for the majority of the day. So I am going to have all the time in the world to work and to build a career. Um, But I also think that that is something that really tears apart our marriages is that, um, that anger and that frustration that boils up inside of us. And it's not necessarily anything that our husbands did. I mean, poor guys, um, they just receive the, the end of our feelings and, um, how we're frustrated and filling this pool to work and take care of kids. But, um, what advice would you give moms that are experiencing this? Like looking back now, cause it seems like you were really pulled in both directions. Um, what, what advice would you, would, would you have given your younger self, um, as a new mom and as a new wife? I think you brought up a great point about it being a season and it's, it's very hard when you're in it to see how short the season is. You know, babies go from newborns to toddlers to school-age kids in seriously the blink of an eye. And I think when I was in it and when I was home with my daughter, I couldn't see past, you know, how short it would be. And I I think in my head, instead instead of just really realizing that there is fulfillment in being a stay at home mom. I saw myself as unemployed, which are two completely different things. Very, very different. But it's hard to see those differences when you're in it, especially when you, like you said, spend so much time and money to get a college degree. And, you know, you hear from your parents and your family basically all your life that, you know, you need to, you need to graduate high school and then you need to go to college and you need to get a degree or you're never going to have a good job. And then you, have a baby and say, well, I don't have a job at all. You know, I have, I have a full-time job, but it doesn't pay. And I think if I could give my younger self advice, it, it would be to really realize that this season is short and it changes so quickly. And when you're feeling like I'm not utilizing my education, it's like, well, one day you will. And, and it's okay to wait on that. And I wish that I would have taken my my feelings to God because I know that I was feeling kind of empty and I wish I would have gone to him to kind of help re rework my brain and change change the way I was seeing things so that I could have found fulfillment in being home with my daughter instead of feeling like I wasn't enough or I wasn't doing enough and I do know that 
um, like looking back at the time, I was the first of my friends to have a baby. I know my friends were getting out of college and, and getting jobs and internships. And I was at home with a baby. So I think it also helps to surround yourself with like people. And I think it can really shift your mindset. And I, I wish looking back that I could have told myself, you know, join a mom's group, find, find other women who are staying at home. And just because you're a stay at home mom, it's not going to be forever. Like you said, you know, your kids start school, you have a lot more time to go to work. There's plenty of years left to work. And I really wish I would have kind of told myself to enjoy that, that season because it was so short. And now I wish I could go back to it. I would do anything to, to make my little girl a baby again, just for a moment in time. So sweet. I know it's, it's scary to think um, just all that we take for granted. It really scares me because you know, days are hard. All the days just seem to run together. Sometimes, you know, we're going to have three babies in three years. And seriously, it sometimes just seems like a whirlwind of uh, making food, cleaning the kitchen, making more food, getting a snack, changing a million dirty diapers. Um, <laughs> totally. You know. It's hard to see beyond your day mm-hmm. and to see the bigger, the bigger meaning. And it's like, making memories. And it's crazy to think that sometimes when you're in it, you feel like that's all you do. It's just like make a meal, clean up from a meal, make a meal, clean up from a meal. And then as your babies get older and they look back on their memories, it's like, well, you didn't realize that you were making memories because you made their favorite meal and you sat down to watch a movie with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you played a game or you played dress up. And at the time you feel like you're just going through the motions of like, this is my day every day. But but it really is like looking back, like those are the memories that I have and I, I wouldn't have changed it. But at the time I felt like it was like, well, you know, I need to work so that I have money so I can go to Disneyland or do the things that you think of as the real memories when in reality, like that's not what's as important to your child. They look back fondly on just like us caring for them, providing for them. Yeah, for sure. I totally relate. And I hope that this message really, really just encourages all moms um, just to take it slow and go to God. Like if you're filled with anxiety and frustration, like take it to God and tell him like, I'm frustrated. I feel so pulled. I'm so anxious all the time. Like I think that those are feelings God gives us so that we will change something and look at the season you're in and ask yourself, like, can I put this off? Like, can I take a break for a while? Maybe we might have to sacrifice a few of our nice things, but what is it that, you know, would make you happy? What does God want for you right now? And for any young person, I don't know if we have a lot of young people that listen, but just from a young age, just start taking it to God. Because just because this world tells you, oh, you got to go to college right away, or you got to go do this right away. That is not necessarily what God, God's greatest plan is for you. It might be, but it also might be doing something entirely different right now. And then maybe later on in life, you're going to go to college and you're going to get that career and you're going to build, 
you know, those dreams that you have, maybe God has other dreams that he's put on your heart right now. And that's okay. If your story doesn't look the same as everybody else else's story, your own age, like that's okay. God has a different plan for you. And I think this is so good for me to remember so that when my kids get to a certain age and they start thinking about their future, like I need to remember to remind them it doesn't have to look the same way. Like Mm -hmm. don't decide or do something just because of what this world you think this world is telling you that you have to do. Um, And I think that we would see so much more of the goodness of God, so much, so many more, you know, miracles and ways that he's moving and working things out in our lives and in our communities. If we would stop saying, well, I have to go and do this right now or else the world is going to think I'm a loser. You know, we need to start living for an audience of one. Like, okay, does God think you're a loser or does God think you're a winner for doing whatever you're you're planning to do in your future? So I love that. And I hope so many moms are just encouraged by that right now. Totally, totally. It's, it's hard sometimes to remind ourselves that we need to follow God's plan and not our plan or our parents' plan, or our best friend's plan, because she did it this way, so I have to do it that way also. Oh man, you guys, wasn't that the most encouraging message ever? I can't wait for next week. It's even better. Thank you so much, Allison. You seriously have a heart of gold, and your message is so encouraging for me. So make sure you guys catch the second part that comes out next week. Um, where Allison tells us how her and her husband reconnected and the crazy path that led them to renewing their vows. So my biggest takeaway and the thing that I want us to address is this common struggle that us moms are having because it's presented itself again and again um, in some of the moms that I've interviewed on this podcast. So to hear more from moms with the same struggle of feeling insignificant and becoming a mom, feelings of loss of identity, loss of career, and like Allison made the point, basically feeling unemployable. Um, Listen to episodes 17, 18, 27, and 28. So these feelings are overwhelming us to the point that they are creating division and resentment in our marriage. And of course we have these feelings. They are normal given the day and age we're living in, but we need to take them to God instead of taking them out on our spouse. So let's talk about this issue and I'm totally lecturing myself right now. Here is how I'm working through these feelings of insignificance. I'm going to give you three ways to rise above these feelings and to step into who God calls you to be as a wife and a mom and find your significance and fulfillment in Him. I know so many moms, including myself, who are struggling with this, so I hope these three steps encourage the heck out of you. But actually take time to ask yourself these questions so that those feelings start to change. Because nobody is coming to rescue you, girlfriend. Nobody is coming to encourage you. So you have to put the work in and work on changing your own mindset. And like we always say, good intentions and listening to inspiring things, it's all worthless if we don't put any action behind it. So let's get into it. Here are the three steps. Number one, we have to recognize where these feelings are coming from. Number two, we have to ask ourselves, what is God's will for me in this season? What roles has he set before me in this season? 
And number three, we have to then immerse ourselves in the refreshing truth of the gospel and stand strong on the promises that God has given us. I believe if we can do these three things, we will become more fulfilled and we will then in turn be proud of our motherhood and be able to encourage the heck out of ourselves and the moms around us. So number one, where are these feelings of insignificance coming from? Well, like Allison pointed out, our entire lives we've been told success means going to school and getting a job. So now that we've thrown tons of money down the drain going to school, not really, it's going to come in handy later on, don't worry. And we don't have a career, it's no wonder why we are feeling unsuccessful. First, we need to take a look at what God says about this. And second, we need to do it we need to do different for the next generation. I think we can all agree that family is the biggest blessing. So let's start teaching our kids that along with yes, hard work and getting a good ed- education and a good job. Those are all important important, but equally, let's encourage them. And when we see certain traits presenting themselves, like taking care of their siblings well, or sharing well, or being kind, we can encourage them with, wow, you're going to make a wonderful mom one day. When we see them setting a good example and leading, we can encourage them, wow, you will make the best father one day. When they take an interest in cooking, we can say, oh man, your kids are going to have a blast with you learning these recipes one day. It's important. And let's remember to give our kids the encouragement we wish we had as a child or we wish we have, we would have now. Let's set them up for success and fulfillment inside their future role as a parent. So back to step one, addressing where these feelings of insignificance comes from. Here's where I think it mostly comes from. The world. The world tells us that in this day and age, mothering is just something to survive, something to struggle through. Just flip on the TV. Years ago, years and years ago, commercials were filled with people taking the perfect family vacation, families having fun at the local country club. It was all about family, family, family. But if we flip on the TV today, the picture of success is the single person climbing the corporate ladder. The single person in a high-rise building speaking to a conference room full of people or in their fancy car all by themselves. I almost never see the family unit as a picture of success, so of course we feel like we're all losing. This world tells us to only look out for me, myself, and I. Do what makes me happy. But Jesus came to say that the greatest among us is the servant. And that's exactly what we are as mothers, servants. We just need to renew our minds so that we find joy in our servanthood. So listen to how the Bible tells us to be careful about being influenced by this world. The Bible tells us, keep your mind on things above, not on worldly things. It says, the world is passing away and all of the things that people want in this world are passing away. But whoever does what God wants will live forever. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Wow. So realize that those feelings of insignificance are not coming from God. Realize that they are not true. And we need to stop buying into what this world says about who we should be. This world tells us to look out for me, myself, and I, and to do what makes me happy. It tells me 
endlessly focus on self-care. Not that that's bad in and of itself, but it can very easily become our main focus. We can think, I need time for self-care every day, on and on. This world tells me that I'm the center of the world. But remember what God tells us about the things of this world and being influenced by this world. So if we know that our own hearts will deceive us, and we know that we have a selfish and sinful nature, what do we do? If we're constantly feeling insignificant, we need to realize that our hearts may be deceiving us. We need a renewed mindset. So how do we find the truth? How do we know God's will for our lives? Listen to this. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So basically, don't trust yourself. Lean not on your own understanding. Draw near to God, and I believe he will show you that your work matters and you are significant. Which brings me to step number two. How do we find fulfillment in our current roles this season of life? The first step was to recognize where these feelings are coming from. So we got that, our own selfish desires, the influence of the world, and our own deceitful hearts. So number two, how do we know? How do we renew our minds? And how do we know that our role as a mom or a parent is important? Well, for one, I would say be in constant conversation with God about it. Look to the Bible for the truth. Ask him. Ask him if these desires that you have for a career are from him at this point in time. And if so, if they are, then then how can you organize your family in such a way that you have a peace about it? He will tell you. He will make a way. He will give you peace and take away the guilt. So just ask him and read your Bible for yourself because he will speak to you that way as well. But in asking, remember that you need to give him time to speak to you. If you're constantly bombarded with distractions every second of every day, if you listen to music nonstop, not that music is bad in and of itself, but if you fill every moment of silence with noise, it may be a little harder to hear from God. So how do we know if raising up a family is significant? Well, my first thought was, okay, Uh, what does God have to say about mothers and raising children? Because I'm finding zero fulfillment doing that. So let's see what God's word says. And the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, I remember at some point in time, God commands us to be fruitful and multiply. So I looked it up and these are the first words he speaks to us human beings. No wonder so many of us have have this visceral urge to become mothers. His first words to us are be fruitful and multiply. So this must be pretty important in his mind, right? Yeah, I think so. So be fruitful, meaning work hard and multiply, meaning raise up your family and have kids. So there you go, mamas. If you ever doubted that your role was important, there it is. It's at the top of the list. Your work may go unseen here on earth, but it is not unseen by God. I bet there are angels up there rejoicing over you. I can guarantee if you are faithful and if you do your work and serve your family well and lovingly, one day when you meet your maker, you're going to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I know there is going to be a grand celebration for you. And that alone gives me the fuel I need every day to keep going and to find fulfillment. 
So how do we apply this practically in our day and how do we find joy in serving our families? For me, I fight to smile when I'm doing the mundane tasks of taking care of kids. Smiling brings me joy and it instantly lifts my spirit. I practice having gratitude that I have children, that I have a family to cook for. I try to say thank you for these dirty dishes that that means that they're full happy bellies. I hope this encourages you to find joy in serving your family because let me remind you what Jesus came to say about serving. He tells us that the greatest among us are servants. He said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He said, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. The Bible tells us, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So our last and final step, step three, to help us find fulfillment in our role as a mom is to stand on God's promises and what God says about your motherhood. Turn those into mantras you repeat to yourself daily. Create a new mindset by creating new systems, new habits, like writing them on post-it notes around your house or taking two minutes before you get out of bed every morning to close your eyes and think about things that you're grateful for inside your motherhood. Resolve that you're going to find joy in your motherhood. Sit down and ask yourself, what you want your motherhood to look like. How can you find more fulfillment? Do those things. And here are a few things that I'm going to start declaring out loud daily. And I encourage you to do the same. Mama, I'm here to tell you that your work matters. Raising kids is the hardest work. I saw on the news the other day that raising kids and being a stay-at-home mom is the equivalent of having 2.5 jobs. And I can attest to this, you guys. I used to have my own storefront business for years and years and years. And many times in the beginning, I would wake up at 5 a.m. to open at 7 a.m. And we would close at 6 p.m. We used to have hundreds of people come through the doors, you guys. And that is that work was nothing, nothing in comparison to raising kids. But you guys, yet we get no pay, we get no recognition, we never get employee of the month. So take these declarations to heart, okay, you guys? Your kids need you. God handpicked you to be their mother because he knew you have exactly what is needed to raise them into exactly who he created them to be. They need to hear your voice. They need your time. They need to hear your story and they need your eyes and your attention. They need you singing songs and praying blessings over them because who else is going to do those things if not you? You are the most significant person in your child's life. Think about it. One of us is raising the next president. Maybe a future billionaire is being raised right now by such a servant mother that that child will be determined to be a servant over all else and use that money in such a way that it'll change the trajectory of the world. One of us is raising the next mayor, the next pastor, or the next celebrity that will have more influence on the next generation than we can even fathom. 
Declare these things out loud. Declare, my hard work will pay off. Declare, I am doing what God has called me to do. Declare, I am a servant and I am serving my family with a happy heart. Declare, I am significant. My kids will be leaders. They will make a difference. Declare, my hard work is paying off. I am being fruitful and I am multiplying and I am following God's will for my life. The Bible tells us, perhaps you were created for such a time as this. This moment, you were destined for this moment in time to raise your exact kids, to step powerfully into the mom that God created you to be. You and your family are exactly what this world needs. You were destined for this. Make it fun. Find fulfillment and gain confidence from God by spending time with him and working to find out who exactly he is calling you to be in this season of your life. I pray this message blesses you and that you are encouraged that God is for you and for your family. I ask that you send this to another mama who needs encouragement today. And thank you again, Allison. Stay tuned next week for the second part of our interview. And don't forget to get the marriage challenges on our website at afwfpodcast.com. I hope you guys have the best day ever. Bye.